But listen, if children do not respect and obey their parents, then whom will they respect? If there's no respect and loyalty in the home, the smallest microcosm of life, there'll be no respect in the society. And what is happening in America is heartbreaking as we have a generation of children that increasingly are becoming disobedient to their parents. And I believe what is being set is the terminal generation who will give their allegiance to the Antichrist. Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church in Beaufort, South Carolina. Today is part two of Pastor Carl's sermon entitled, The Signs of the Times. We all must remember that we are in a spiritual battle. We see the Apostle Paul remind Timothy of this as he underscores God's standard in 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 13 says, Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Jesus Christ. Last week, Pastor Carl addressed the climate for God's people in the last days, and today he will be discussing the moral conduct and religious observance in the last days. Let's join Pastor Carl in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, as he continues. I want us to think through a little bit about the characters of the last days. The characters, who are the players, so to speak? Well, in verse 2, Paul immediately goes on to say, for men will be. Now, the word men here is anthropos. It's the all-inclusive word. You could say men and women, or some translations say people. People will be. So he's describing people. Difficult times will come because people, men and women, will be self-centered. And so while I'm not underestimating the fallen nature of man, many times we love to blame things on the devil that he has nothing to do with. James 1.13 says people are often carried away just by their own fallen evil lust. You can't say, well, the devil made me do it or a demon made me do it. Now, certainly there are three uh, forces that wage war against the believer that if you've been through the discovery class, we examine those in great depth. The world, the flesh, and the devil, and they work together. The devil may inspire one Hollywood producer to create an evil movie that will grab people's attentions and it will feed the sin nature. So they intersect with one another. But Paul wants Timothy to understand that while our fallen nature is very much at work, there's a spiritual battle going on. Turn back to chapter 1 for a moment. Turn back a page in your Bible to chapter 1 for just a moment. Look at chapter 1, and let's read verse 13. He says there, Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me, and the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. And then he adds, Guard... Through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. So he speaks here of the standard of sound words. That word for standard is an architectural term in the first century. It was used of what today we would call a blueprint. He's saying don't dismiss the blueprint. And many churches have become woke. And so the largest Southern Baptist church in the state of Florida as it came out this week has been baptizing homosexual people. People who are in homosexual marriage. Why? Because people want to be liked. A preacher doesn't want any conflict. He wants everyone to like him. 
Jesus said, woe to you if all men speak well of you, for so they spoke of the false prophets who went before you. You don't throw away the blueprint. But when you embrace this new false teaching propagated by Sam Albury, among others, of that a Christian can be a same-sex attracted Christian and he doesn't need to repent of it, you're going to open the door to people who say, I can hold on to my sin and not be converted as traditional, historical, biblical Christianity teaches. And you're going to end up baptizing people who have refused to acknowledge their sin as sin. And so throughout this letter, throughout Paul's final will and testament, he's going to underscore the standard. Look at verse 8 of this chapter. He has said, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. And notice, he can reason in verses 12 and 13 here of chapter 1, for this reason I also suffer these things. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Retain the standard, the blueprint of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Listen to your pastor. God does not want you to forsake the blueprint. He doesn't want you to be embarrassed over the blueprint. And if you are embarrassed, you need to repent of that embarrassment. This is either absolute truth, this book, or it's folly. And you must decide And so Andy Stanley, who was famous a couple years ago for preaching that sermon called Unhitching the Old Testament, just in March of this year, just a few months ago, he referred to the Old Testament, and I quote directly from his manuscript, as ancient declarations of superstitious men. Why would a pastor say that? Because you want to be liked. You don't want to say that there was a real man, Adam and Eve, and that there's a God who literally created the world in six literal actual days. And so while we're not underscoring our fallen nature in this text, we need to understand that there is a spiritual battle that goes on, and the battle will intensify. Look at the uh, last two verses here, last three verses of chapter 2. Remember, the chapter and verse divisions are artificial. So you want to always look contextually at the passage you're studying. Look at verse 24 of chapter 2. He says, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps... God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil having been held captive by him to do his will. According to 2 Timothy 2.26, there are some people who are driven, who are literally captive by the devil because of choices they make. We studied a month or so ago, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. 
Let me refresh you with that verse. But the Spirit explicitly says, in latter times, again, we have studied that phrase. It refers not just to the last days that began with Christ being on the earth, with Pentecost, but to the end of the age before the second coming. He says explicitly that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith. We call that apostasy. Paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. So there are false teachers who have always come into the church who are agents of the devil. A demon doesn't step into a pulpit and say, I am here to represent the devil. But if the devil disguises himself as an angel of light, Paul says, so don't his pastors. But he wants to underscore that the Spirit explicitly says at the end of time, at the end of the age, age in the last of the last days... This demonic battle is only going to increase. There's no way to explain what we have seen in the last two or three years except by an increase of demonic activity. And so while we do not know the day or the hour, we do know the final time frame. And clearly in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be. He's describing the very character of them, and part of what they are is not just a reflection of their fallenness, but because we wage war against flesh and blood. So let's consider what these men are like. First, the moral conduct. Point A, the moral conduct in the last days. Let's think about the moral conduct in the last days. Now, in the verses that follow, there are no fewer than 19 expressions that are used to describe men of the last days who increasingly turn away, who apostatize from God. Look, not all unbelievers are apostates, but all apostates are unbelievers. An apostate is someone who wears the cloak of Christianity, either kicks it out of his life or redefines it. They fall away from the faith, the body of truth. And so the globalism of our day, the turning away from the faith, the growing evil and immorality is a reminder of the time frame that we are in. And when we look at this list, we're not to be afraid, we're not to panic. These things are given as Dr. Pentecost used to always tell us, not to scare us, but to prepare us. God wants us to be prepared so we will be ready. Notice in this first catalog, he uses this term lovers. In fact, you will find it four times in these 19 expressions. For men, he says in verse 2, will be lovers of self, lovers of money. And then he closes in verse 4 with lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So first he mentions people who are lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And so the repeated use of the term love is what fundamentally drives this self-centeredness. You know, we often say as pastors, the heart of the problem is a problem of the human heart. God commands us to love him supremely above all else. And he tells us, secondly, to love our neighbor as ourself. But if we love ourselves supremely, we will not love God, and we will certainly not love our neighbor as they are worthy. And so every one of these characteristics are an expression of a person who basically says, I'm number one. And that's really the root of all sin. We don't want him to rule over us, Jesus said. It's a rebellious 
I want to be my own king and the master of my own fate. And so this self-love, it's evident even in little children, is it not? Uh, They want their way. You have to train them differently because by nature, by bent, by birth, they are self-centered little people. And a healthy society will help to develop well-mannered little children. But when the church is weak and God's standards are jettisoned, then you have more and more children who don't have any respect for authority. And we've seen some of these self-centered ways of thinking intensify during the pandemic where so many kids came back or during the pandemic they were failing their tests and getting the F letter. They said, well, we, we, we don't need to grade in that way. This is too damaging to their little psyches. And so we have created this new grading system that is no longer A, B, C, D, and F. Add to that, uh, we have criminals where we see this self-love being expressed through leaders in our country who we say they have rights. So they go in and they smash jewelry stores and they steal product or as we saw this past week they went in and destroyed and annihilated this guy's restaurant because they didn't get their order filled the way they wanted and they're on film and they're laughing and they're mocking why because they know there's no real consequence and when you take the sword away from the police you take away that authority through some liberal judge or some district attorney who's afraid to enforce the law, then havoc will increase. And we are seeing that. So these criminals are given these new rights, but they don't respect the rights of others as they rob and maim other people. And so we're now living in a self-indulgent generation where people are getting high and taking pills and there's ever-growing contempt for the law. And sadly, we say, well, this is just a mental illness. It's not a mental illness problem. It's a sin problem. When we were in Raleigh last weekend, there were literally thousands of signs all across the city on people's front lawns. You have seen them, we believe. But one that caught my attention was one that was in front of a church. Here it is. In this congregation, we believe love is love. That basically means you can have a physical relationship with anyone you want, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual, as long as you love each other, because love is love. Black lives matter. What do we mean by that? Well, here's from their own website. The three founders three women, said, quote, we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. We make space for transgender brothers and sisters to participate and lead. We foster a queer-affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking 
that's heterosexual marriage, or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexuals unless he or she discloses otherwise. None of, I mean, think this. You know, and so we have all these evangelical Christians. They don't want to, I mean, do you want to be called a racist? I don't want to be called a racist. But when you have white people focusing on white superiority, or you have black people focusing on their black superiority, you have a problem. You have a problem of someone who's never been regenerated. Because when someone is fundamentally born again, by this we know we've passed out of death into life, we love the brethren. And you don't care their stripe or color, red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in his sight. There's a love, there's an affinity that the family brings. But you got all these evangelicals marching in these Black Lives Matter demonstrations not knowing what they were really endorsing, some of them, some of them in sheer ignorance. And of course, none of these women acknowledge what they've done with a lot of the money. They are under investigation for the new 6.5 million, 6,500 square foot home they bought in California. Third, climate change is real. That means we worship Mother Earth. No human being is illegal. That means there's no borders. Contrary to what God writes in the Old Testament, contrary to what God writes in the New Testament, you have a nation with no borders and you have chaos. You don't have a nation. All genders are whole, holy, and good. God says there's not 80 or 100 genders as people are advocating in this church. There's two genders, male and female. Women have agency over their bodies. What does that mean? That means that they can kill the precious little baby that God planted in their womb. And so people are no longer asking, what does the Bible say? They're simply asking, what do I want to believe? He continues, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money. So one follows the other as night follows day. If you love self, you'll love money. And in this universe, there's God, there's people, and there are things. We should worship God, we should love people, and we should use things. But if we start worshiping ourselves as lovers of selves, then we will, in essence, ignore God. We will love things and we'll use people. And folks who get caught up in this, their lives are meaningless. And we wonder why there's so much depression in our day. And a need to see these doctors and to get a pill to fix the so-called mental illness I'm going through. And so our government just recently documented that the American economy, not the national economy, but the individual family economy, is now in worse shape than it was in 2008. That the average family now is in more debt, whether it's credit card, junk debt, school debt, house debt, than they were in 2008. Why? Because they love things. The next three, notice, boastful, arrogant, and revilers, they flow really as a triplet. If someone loves and worships himself, the result is they'll become boastful. So Paul says, lovers of money, boastful. It's a Greek word that means a braggart. If you love money and you live to acquire things, you'll be consumed with those things and you typically become boastful unless you have a right, God-given, directed spirit. You'll talk about how great you are, how much you have. 
That, of course, leads to the next on the list, arrogant. Just listen to the many politicians. Just listen to the many actors in Hollywood, to the sports and athletic leaders, and you'll know what arrogant is. Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. In contrast to the arrogant person who thinks he's so great and often too good to be damned, Included in this triplet, notice revilers. The New King James in the Net Bible says blasphemers, and that's good because it's the Greek word blasphemos, giving us our word blasphemy. And the word blasphemy goes in two directions, towards God and towards man. Just listening to a speech our president recently given six times in the course of just two or three minutes. He used God's name in vain. I didn't hear anybody comment on it. I thought, this guy keeps using God's name in vain. And when I went back and looked at the clip later on, I counted six times in about two and a half minutes. And of course, when you've lost all respect for God, you will lose respect for your fellow man. You will revile. The ESV says you'll act abusively. Because if you have an exaggerated opinion of yourself, you'll run down the guy next to you. The next five words, they're all together. And we know that because there's a prefix on the front of each word. It's the alpha prefix. Just like in English, the word A often negates the word. So we speak of the millennium reign of Christ, that he'll rule for a millennium, a thousand years. And the amillennial view means there's no millennium. And so, just like in English, the word, the letter alpha means non or no. And so, let's keep reading. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents. Now, you don't see that in the English text, but there's an alpha there. Now, the average family today, sadly, are raising children who have no respect for authority, either inside the home or outside the home. And of course, with adultery being the number one cause for divorce, with over 50% of marriages ending in divorce, many times children are being raised in a home not by their biological fathers and mothers. And they're often confused. And when you add to that the rising tide of promiscuity that's being fed to these children in our government school system, what does that do to a child? It damages his little conscience. It scars his conscience. And so we have this godless teaching on transgenderism, on homosexuality, on critical race theory, of abortion, on sexual indulgence. And the further they get into the grade scheme, the more intense it becomes. So I have a dad in my office in tears because he has two middle school daughters in the Bluffton school system where they were being taught transgenderism. So save your letters and don't tell me it's not being taught. I had 18 police officers, administrators, principals, associate principals right out there in that cafe. And there was a crisis in our town, a gas leak in one of the high schools. They said, we, we need a facility if there's a mass shooting or a tornado. We need a place where we can bring the kids so the parents can find them. Can we use your facility? I said, oh, we would be honored to serve you. 
under one exception. If a boy is born a boy, he can't go into a girl's bathroom. And if a girl is born a girl, she can't go into a boy's bathroom. And if you can give me a signed letter with that said, you can use this facility. And they're going back and forth because they're probably thinking, if we have a letter like this, we'll get sued. I should have said it. I said, look, this is God's place, and we don't want it to fall. I said that, but I, what I should have said, but you want me to be sued. So you get some kid who goes in here who claims he's a girl and use the bathroom, and then you sue us. I've yet to see a letter. So don't tell me it's not going on. Save your letters and emails, because I know what I hear in counseling. And I can't even begin to share because of confidences. But it is going on in our county. Now listen, we need to pray for these principals and administrators and teachers who are born-again Christians, some of our own. But in reference to your kids, I would say, get them out. Get them out! They're destroying your little children. And that's why 90% of them are just walking away from the faith. So we can invite witches and socialists and drag queens into our schools. But don't let there be a word from the Bible. Is it any wonder, according to Pew and Barna, basically the same stats, 65% of 15-year-olds and 25% of 13-year-olds say they're involved sexually with members of the opposite sex. That's not even same-sex people. But listen, if children do not respect and obey their parents, then whom will they respect? If there's no respect and loyalty in the home, the smallest microcosm of life, there'll be no respect in the society. And what is happening in America is heartbreaking as we have a generation of children that increasingly are becoming disobedient to their parents. And I believe what is being set is the terminal generation who will give their allegiance to the Antichrist. And so we have a generation of children who are disobedient to parents, making them, look at the next two, ungrateful and unholy. And most of the time, because of the way dad and mom are, children who feel entitled will be ungrateful. Children who've never learned to sweat and work and what a dollar really means because they're just given it will typically be ungrateful. And I happen to believe that it's not pharisaical when you're there with your family to hold hands or however you want to do it and bow your heads and give thanks to God in a public restaurant. In addition, he mentions them as being unholy. And sadly, that's the state of this nation where we've lost all sense of decency. I mean, what even happened among teenage Christian girls to the wholesome look? Seems to me like a lot of them work hard to look sensual. And I wonder, have they met the living God? And so biblical values are now ridicule, where we call good evil and evil good. Please join us tomorrow for part three and the conclusion of Pastor Carl's sermon entitled, The Signs of the Times. If you enjoyed today's message, you can order a CD or DVD copy by calling Search the Scriptures at 877 877- 787-7478 and requesting program God's Prophetic Schedule 
0-8. If you missed any of Pastor Carl's previous sermons in this series, remember that you can download the Search the Scriptures app found on the iTunes and Google Play Store, or listen to any of our current series online at searchthescriptures.org. Don't forget that if you have a question you would like to ask Pastor Brogy personally, you can do that on Tuesdays between 11 and noon Eastern during his live call-in program, The Bible Line. Remember that you can listen to The Bible Line online at wagp.net. We hope that you will join us tomorrow as we continue to search the scriptures.